Hello and welcome to Not Afraid About You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before NBC has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. Happy New Year. Yay! Probably. We're still we're still in December, but you yeah. know, it's pro- there'll probably be a new year soon. Yeah. As of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I'm here to talk to you about heroes. No, yeah. not those heroes. No, not those heroes either. I'm talking about the 2000, I want to say 2006, NBC uh, sci-fi drama series Heroes. Yay! Uh, Lindsay, did you ever watch? Did you, did you ever watch Heroes? A little bit until the cheerleader character like stuck her hand in the garburator to test her healing powers. That sounds like a season two thing. No, that was season one. Okay, well, you know what, Claire was a lo- <laughs> Claire was a teenage girl who found out that she could heal from any injury, so she decided to be the most. Yeah. Played by Hayden Panettiere. Who was uh, right? This this was her like big break. It was coming directly after Kingdom Hearts and the Bring It On sequel, and right before Nashville. Oh wow, good for her. Um, it had it had a lot of people who were like on their path to fame, or like were the breakouts from the show. Like it had, uh, yeah, the major actors and heroes included Milo Ventimiglia, Ali Larder, Zachary Quinto, Masioka, Kristen Bell, Greg Grunberg, Adrian Pazdar, Sendel Ramamurthy. Uh, Stan Lee was in an episode, obviously. And a whole bunch of Star Trek alumni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, George Decay was also like a major uh, person in here. Um, okay. What's uh, the, the British guy with the white hair? There's a lot of British guys with white hair. Um, Clockwork Orange. Oh, uh, Malcolm McDowell? Yeah, he was in it. Oh, cool. For the first season and like a few episodes in the second and third, I think. Okay. He was like the first big bad. <laughs> cool. So basically, Heroes tells the story about a whole bunch of people from all over the world, by which we mean Texas, California, New York, and Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> all over the world. Okay, and I guess technically uh, India, but uh, the character from India, Mohinder, Suresh, he moves to New York in the very first episode. He moves there in the pilot, so it's like, we're not there very much. Yeah. Um, but though it was... Kind of sort of hailed as one of the more diverse shows at the time, even though I think Lost was actually slightly more diverse than it. Um, Also, this was like very clearly created to be a competitor for Lost. Like Lost had premiered two years earlier and everyone, mm, everybody wanted to get in on that sweet, sweet, like mysterious mythology building, world building, huge cast of strong characters, that kind of oeuvre with some fantastic elements in it. Um... And also in the second season, they introduce a mystery box, which is like clearly some kind of jab at J.J. Abrams, who always has a mystery box in every single one of his shows, including the College of Slice of Life show. Yeah. We'll get to Felicity one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, like Up until last month, I thought J.J. Abrams was responsible for heroes, but no, it was Tim Kring. <laughs> I want to say it was either this series or was it Lost that the showrunners from Once Upon a Time worked on? No, they're from Lost because... Okay. Lost was on ABC, and they immediately went from that to Once Upon a Time, so they already okay. had an in on NBC. Yeah. Although this is a little bit Once Upon a Timey in the sense that uh, they reached season two and just went, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it also didn't help that uh, the writer strike happened in the middle of season two, so their, their season went from 24 episodes to 11. Yeah, that's gonna hurt. Oh, it hurt so bad. I mean, it already was not that good. But also, it hurt <laughs> real bad. Yeah. 
And they they truly never recovered. And also it was like, they kept trying to like backpedal and then introduce new elements and then like say those elements weren't legit actually and keep looping around and like every every press release. So like the press release for season three is like, don't worry, it's not going to be weird and complex this season. And then like after the mid-season finale, don't worry, we're gonna, not going to make it as weird as complex as it was like during the fall. And then season four, don't worry, <laughs> it's not going to be that weird and complex this season. And it still was. I mean, it wasn't at, at first and then it got, got back. They, they found their way back to their own, their original problems. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't help that, like, they, they originally intended it to be an anthology show, like, every season would focus on a different group of characters discovering their powers coming together to avert a catastrophe of some sort, but all set within the same world. Uh, but the problem was that they wrote really, really good characters in the first season, and so, like, when it came to the second season, like, oh, we have to, like, continue these people's plots. How did they, how do we have a person have an arc that lasts for more than one season? Oh, oh boy. Yeah, there's a lot of bad choices. Um, also, I wasn't really sure where I was going to take this uh, until I found an article written around this time last year by one of the former cast members of Heroes, uh, Leonard Roberts. He okay. played the character D.L. Hawkins, who was a main character in the first season, who didn't appear until the sixth episode, and didn't have a lot of major appearances throughout the whole season, and then died midway like b between seasons one and two the character did okay and then only showed up in season two for one flashback where he dies off screen huh uh now the important thing to note about dl hawkins played by leonard roberts is that he's a black man oh yeah and in the article that leonard roberts wrote he talks about how like it, it wasn't like they were like explicitly being racist to him on the set except they were explicitly being racist to him on the set because like he noticed, like, he was supposed to be in the pilot, and then he was cut from the pilot, then he was cut for the next three episodes, and he it took, him, took him forever to actually be introduced on the show, even though he was hoping this would be his big break. And then his character was married to Ali Larder's character, and Ali Larder was not a good co-worker. And, oh. like, according to people on set at the time, like, pretty much ever, all of whom remained anonymous because they didn't want, want to get blacklisted because... They saw, in hindsight, oh, Leonard Roberts kind of got blacklisted after he even slightly attempted to raise concerns about his treatment on the show. She kind of, like, went a little, huh, about filming a sex scene with him, but apparently she had no kind of reaction to that filming a sex scene with Adrian Pazdar's character, who was white passing. So, it's like, hmm, hmm. there's... Uh, the, Ali, I don't want to call you racist, but there's clearly some kind of double standards going on here that, you know, maybe you should examine yourself. Yeah. So... Yeah, just the whole thing was a mess. And then, like, he was really concerned after, you know, two other characters of color were killed off right at the end of the show, very unceremoniously. And Leonard Roberts is like, I don't want to get killed off of the show. I thought I was going to be, like, a major player. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to kill you off. We're definitely not going to kill you off. So here's the thing. We like Ali Larder more than you, and so we're going to kill you off between seasons. But we still want you to go on the press tour so people don't realize you're dying between seasons. And he goes, no. And then they're like, okay, but could you come back for one episode so we can film your death and then you get paid as a guest star? And he says, no, pay me my regular salary because you were told me that I was going to be a regular. And yeah, that th there's a lot of bullshit that went down uh, to Leonard Roberts. Yeah. So yeah, so take, take that. We're going to take that. We're going to set it aside. Keep that in mind for my game plan going forward. Okay. The actual uh, like premise of the first season, which is what I want to focus mainly on, Basically, there's a whole bunch of different people who discover they have superpowers, and then slowly but surely they start realizing that there's also like a conspiracy going on 
to like keep the masquerade going, obviously, but also someone is trying to set up a bomb in New York that will lead to another character being elected, uh, or like not they're they're gonna um basically give a character an election, help him win it, and then with the bomb that goes off, they're gonna use that to propel him further in his political career, so that he can eventually be installed as the president. Okay. So the main the main players of heroes we have I mentioned him slightly before Mohinder Suresh, who is basically like the one of the two most important non superpowered people in the show at first he gives himself superpowers in season three and it was a terrible plot development so yeah. Mohinder Suresh <laughs> is the son of Chandra Suresh who had gone to America to like see, he believed that people were gaining superhuman abilities he went out to seek them out and like yeah. he was kind of laughed out of the scientific community only Mohinder believed him when his father dies he goes to, like, gather his things in New York and finds his notes and realizes that he was making, like, a lot of progress on finding superhuman people. And so he just starts following up on that work and trying to track them down. Okay. We also have the Petrelli brothers, Peter and Nathan. Peter is a nurse played by Milo Ventimiglia. He's very uh, soft boy, cute boy, and he thinks that he has the power to fly, but then it turns out actually Nathan has the power to fly, and Peter has the power to uh, replicate the abilities of people that he cares about. Okay. Uh, and Nathan is the... He is running for Congress, and he's the person that the conspiracy, it's called the company, because it's mm -hmm. a company. Yeah. The company are trying to eventually get him installed in the White House to further their own desires. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Claire Bennett, who is the teenager who, if you remember all of the promos uh, for Heroes, save the cheerleader, save the world, where she is a cheerleader who, as you mentioned, can heal from any injury. Yeah. Her adoptive father is Noah Bennett, also known as Hornroom Glasses, because all we knew for the longest time was that he wore his horn room glasses and he was Claire's adoptive father. And he's like, I'm a very kind and loving father, but also I work for the company and I am hunting down uh, people with powers that I consider dangerous. I have my partner, the Haitian. He's from Haiti. <laughs> Joy. He can block people's powers and also scoop your memories out if he feels like it. Uh, oh, we also, remember, there's a huge cast of characters here. We have Nikki Sanders, who uh, also sometimes known as Jessica because she has dissociative identity disorder. Which isn't really, it's delved into with all the grace of a comic book plot <laughs> in the Yay. sense of like, sometimes the evil version of her comes out of the mirror and traps her in the mirror and now she has access to the super strength. Woo! Um, and she's also working as an online call girl to support her son Micah, who is eventually okay. revealed to be a technopath. And she is also the wife, ex-wife, it's complicated Facebook status of D.L. Hawkins, who is a former thief who can walk through walls, and so we use that to escape from prison. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Hiro Nakamura, who's probably the other most famous person from the show, uh, played by Masioka. He is a Japanese businessman who is very adorable and round. Uh, everyone loved him. He basically found out his superpowers by force of will. He was like, I'm pretty sure I have the power to like teleport and stop time. There was like the most famous ad was when he's like staring at a clock really hard and then the second hand stops and it goes back a few notches and he just goes, Yada! Which means I did it! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, uh, it was like years later when um, people were talking about basically follow a lot of anti-tubers they were talking about jojo bizarre's adventure masioka managed to get in a lot of jojo references good for him yeah i would not have picked up on any of those <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a lot of the onomatopoeia stuff uh fair enough yeah 
Uh, also, Hiro's best friend, Anomasa Hashi, who wasn't a regular until the second season. Uh, he's also a major human player, but eventually he also gets superpowers. He gets supercharging, which makes people's powers more. Okay. Like, he supercharged a girl with super speed, and she developed time travel abilities temporarily. Cool. Yeah. Uh, there's, we're almost there, there's Isaac Mendez, who can paint the future, but only when he uses heroin. Uh, he's also a comic book artist. There's okay. Matt Parkman, who is a cop who has telepathy. Okay. A cab. Yeah. Not in the show, but in our version. Yeah. Um, and then she's introduced in the second season. Monica Dawson is Micah's cousin from New Orleans who has mu- muscle mimicry, which is basically if she sees the thing done, then she can do it. So she's she Taskmaster. Wa- exactly. Master. She yeah. she watched. So th- there there is an episode where like. Like, halfway through, Micah hacks the pay-per-view box so that they can watch the wrestling show, and Micah, or Monica just casually watches it. And then later on, the burger joint that she works at is getting robbed, and she does, like, a full swing off of one of the railings and slams into the guy and uses all the wrestling moves to take him out. Awesome! <laughs> and her co-worker's like, girl, how'd you do that? And Monica's like, I don't know. <laughs> also, Monica's played by Dana Davis, who hasn't done a lot of acting work, but I, she is now a YA not- author, and I haven't read any of her stuff. But they look pretty good, and I have at least three of her books on my to-buy list. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, good job, Dana. Yeah. Um, and then the other uh, major character, the the third most important person who came out of the show, uh, in the eyes of the fandom at least, was Siler, a.k.a. Gabriel Gray, played by Zachary Quinto. He is the other big bad of the first season. He has, he has the power of understanding. It's called intuitive aptitude, in which... He could, if he examines something, he can figure out how it works. And so what he ends up doing is he will cut people's, are you okay with some gore? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, he will cut off the top of people's skulls and examine their brain and be like, oh, I understand how our power works now. And then he has the power. So like the first person he does this to is someone with telekinesis. And so he looks at their brain and is like, I have telekinesis now. And then all the other times he uses telekinesis to slice the heads open. And there's this horrible like sound of metal being torn in half sound when he does it. Which is probably not how it sounds like in real life, but hey. If you need a sound effect, you need a sound effect, so. Also, they never actually, they never truly explained how he did it. And so for the longest time, people thought, actually, the original plan was that he would eat the brains, and that's what everyone thought was happening anyways. So in the third season premiere, where he finally corners Claire and is able to get her brain, she's healing. So she's like still conscious during all this. She's like, oh God, are you going to eat it? And he's like, no, Claire, that's disgusting. Okay. Also, not 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 to stereotype, but Zachary Quinto is gay, and some of the some of the sass does kind of bleed into the character because he is a supervillain in a superhero show. <laughs> Probably works better than when they tried to force him to be straight as Spock. God. Yeah, mm, you, I feel like he was even gayer. <laughs> Let Spock and Kirk fuck! The inherent eroticism of just being a Vulcan. (laughs) I mean, Leonard Nimoy was a thirst trap back in the day, so... This is true. Did Leonard Nimoy appear on the show? Probably, but I can't remember what as. Anyways, and so the plot of season one is that... um, yeah, the, the, there's going to be a bomb goes off. Turns out it's not a bomb, it's a person who has radiation powers. His name is Ted Sprague, except actually, uh, Siler steals the powers, and so it's going to be Siler. Except actually, Siler gets teleported away by Hero in the season finale, but Peter had absorbed the powers and he couldn't control them, so it was going to be Peter. But then uh, Nathan flew Peter up into the stratosphere and basically tossed him into the air and let him explode. And then he also had Claire's healing power, so when he landed, he was fine. Okay. So... <laughs> 
various other things happen in the later seasons. Um, turns out Nikki was a series of clones. Turns out that um, Mohinder had a sister named Shanti who had a virus that only uh, killed um, people with powers. And they tried to weaponize that. And David Anders was there. And he was an Englishman, but also a samurai because he was immortal because he had the same healing powers as Claire. Um, Peter got amnesia and then he, they left him in Ireland. And then he accidentally time traveled to the, the future with his Irish girlfriend. And then he time traveled back without her. So now she's just in limbo or some shit. That actually sounds very comic booky. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, there's, and actually in the third season, there was, like, a whole, uh, superpower police breakdown of things, uh, like, trying to, like, the company went on the offense. What happened in season four? In season four, we met the carnival, which was a traveling carnival of people with powers, and it was led by Samuel, aka Robert Nepper, um, like, the actor Robert Nepper. Uh, he had the power over, uh, Earth, but he also mixed it with special ink to turn it into tattoos that he could control on people. Okay. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but it's Robert Nepper, so you're just gonna buy anything he does. Yeah, yeah. Also, the fourth season had um, Emma Coolidge, who is played by Deanne Bray, and she was a deaf woman who could, like, had synesthesia and could manipulate sound waves if she celloed hard enough. Okay. Oh, yeah, and also Daphne Milbrook, who was, like, one of Matt's temporary love interests. She had super speed. She's played by Bria Grant, who now hosts a podcast about reading. Cool. This I need to catch my breath after explaining all the, the entirety of Heroes. Again, this is a this is a comic book TV show with that. This is a, okay. Well, actually, no. So here's the thing: is that Heroes was completely original. I know, and also came out at a time where like pop culture was not inundated with superheroes. Like yeah. it had no competition. Yeah, it just feels like a comic book. Like yeah, Here, and, and so when the the sequel series came out, because they had a sequel series that came out in 2015 called Heroes yeah. Reborn. Yes. Um, which like among other people, it had uh, Zachary Levi who was a big Heroes fan and asked to be written into the show, and Robbie Kay, who was Peter Pan once upon a time. Yeah, and uh, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left was on it in a minor role. Okay. Yeah. Also Aislinn Paul from Degrassi. <laughs> cool. But anyways, they, it felt like they leaned more into the comic book stuff because they had weird stuff like, we're going to hook the heroes up to, we can hook evolved humans up to machines to replicate their abilities. W uh, one of the main characters is actually a video game avatar brought to life by a different hero's powers. One of the heroes is just a guy who's going out doing Batman shit at night. He does not actually have powers. I mean, those people actually exist, so yeah. And I mean, exactly, but it was just weird that like never truly happened on the first hero show. It wasn't until the mm -hmm. sequel. Uh, and nobody liked the sequel, however, because it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad, it was also not good. Mm-hmm. Also, continued, uh, concerning trend uh, towards the black characters, uh, where, like, the only major black character was uh, Zachary Levi's character's wife, who, like, they, they became evolved human serial killers because they blamed evolved humans for the death of their son, and Zachary Levi's character got to be like, I feel guilty about this, and I have depth and layers and emotions, and also I have my own abilities, so I'm trying to hide this from the world as well. And she was just like, a psychopath who made jokes about killing people who had families and stuff, but, like, they were evolved humans, so they were gonna, like, be dangerous one day anyways. And she's played by a black woman. The, I, the whole thing was real hinky. Yeah. So, for rebooting heroes, if I'm rebooting heroes with you, together we are rebooting heroes, we need to start from square one. We can't do, like, oh, and here's a sequel. Here's Heroes Reborn Reborn. No. Yeah, no. That ship has sailed. From the start, we're rewriting the original tropes. And here's the, I kind of cracked the code of like playing to fan service and also like bringing in new people. We're like, 
you can make something that is shocking for new people and simultaneously shocking for like the original audience for different reasons. Okay. So for the first thing, the first step of this reboot is that uh Nathan, goodbye. I've I've thrown you out, Nathan. Who is gonna fulfill the role of the politician that the company wants to install as president? It's DL. Okay. And I'm going to say that the whole like, getting caught in prison thing and then escaping, that is his backstory. And now he is basically turned... Not to, He didn't really have to turn over a new leaf. Like the, the writing will make it clear that he was a person who was pushed in a serious position where he had to turn to crime in order to support his family, to support yeah. his like wife and child so that his wife did not have to continue being a sex worker because that is, has its own dangers involved with it. Mm-hmm. And then he is, was able to escape and like now they're like living... The high life, not the high life, but like the middle class life. And he is running for Congress on a very like grassroots, like socialist platform. But he's very well aware that if anyone uncovers the past that he has buried and put aside, that could like completely torpedo his political career. Yeah. Also, since he technically escaped from prison, you know, he, he, he would be arrested again. Yeah. Which is, will be a portray to say, hey, morally bad, also legally questionable, but yeah. something that he has to avoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jessica's going to be there. She is going to. The, the sex work is going to be part of her past as well. But yeah. again, because of the way we've changed DL, we can, or not Jessica, Nikki, because Jessica is one of her alters. That's the other thing is that we're going to make it clear, like these are alters who are there because of trauma that Nikki has experienced. Okay. If I remember correctly in the original show, it was at the hands of her father. I can't remember if it was sexual trauma, but we don't have to dig into big detail. All we really have to say is that like her father was a terrible person and traumatized her hard enough that yes, her she started developing alternate identities in order to cope okay one of these identities just so happens to be named jessica and she has better control over nikki's super strength than she does and so she's the one who is usually going to go you know out of her way to decide i know what's best and what's best is now is murder okay another one of the through lines uh through the first season as well is mr linderman who is like this gangster who has like Jessica owes him money and he's like secretly financing some of Nathan's political ambitions and stuff. And so we can like just kind of fold that whole thing into DL and Nikki's situation. Linderman was Malcolm Wadawa's character. He had the, he also was revealed to be a powered person. He had the power to heal people. Okay. And so yeah, it was like very much just like, I love like cooking for myself and like healing people who are like destitute. Uh, and also I'm going to cause a, a explosion and frame it as a terrorist attack in New York so that I can, like, you know, maneuver this person into power so that we can advance the company's goals. Which, I don't know if they ever really established what the company's goals were in the show other than control, but honestly, I think if we just make it clear that that is what the goal was, like, yeah. it was always hinted like, there's something deeper and more nefarious. But no, the the fact that they want to control America and the world, by extension, is the goal, and that yeah. is what you should be concerned about. Yeah. It's not like, ooh, they're, they're going to do a secret thing. No, it's like they're, they're going to control people. They just want power. Exactly. They are, they are imprisoning and executing people with power who they cannot control themselves in order to set themselves up. Mm-hmm. Also, chock-a-block full of lo- all these long-lost children that they're hoping they can like groom and install as the next generation of the company to keep... You know the 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 I want to say monarchy, but that's not right. The 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 inheritance. Yeah. The legacy. That's what I want. So that's that situation. Now Matt Parkman is no longer going to be a cop. We're removing him from that. He's gonna. I don't know what I want him to be because originally I was thinking he could also be a politician and maybe he's like DL's competition, but he's gonna be like Peter's not brother brother, but like his the way me and Ryan are brothers. 
Yeah. They grew up together. They've been friends for a while. They both are active in New York. And Peter is still an EMT, and Matt will probably, like, make Matt a little bit more rougher around the edges so he does fill the Nathan role a little bit more. And just in the sense of, like, Peter, don't be ridiculous. You don't have superpowers. Oh, wait, we both have superpowers. Um... His, cause his thing is that he is trying to investigate, like he kind of catches wind that the company exists before anyone else does. And so he's, he is investigating it and eventually he teams up with Mohinder about halfway through the series and when they meet and they start investigating the company together. Eventually they find the, the company has this thing called the Walker tracking system, which lets them locate any person that they know the name of. Okay. And eventually you find out it's a, like a little 10 year old girl named Molly Walker who has the power to locate anyone she knows the name of. Okay. Anyways, come the second season, they are raising her together in a totally heterosexual way. Ah, <laughs> sure. Um, Claire's whole arc is just that she is trying to figure out her origins of her powers, and then it's, all, it's just the, the audience uh, suspense tension thing of knowing that her dad is, like, we assume he is the big bad at the beginning, but then it turns out that he is, like, he's a good guy, just, again, in a not-great situation, yeah. but it's all being done out of love for Claire. Okay. And especially because he, in his travels, he sees one of Isaac Menendez's paintings, which is a picture of Claire dead. Yeah. Except it turns out it's, it ends up not being Claire, it ends up being a different blonde cheerleader. Okay. Because all of Isaac's paintings come true at some point or another. So that's what he's doing is uh, Noah Bennett is going out of his way to protect his daughter from Siler. And eventually when he finds out that she was able to protect herself, now he's like, well, now what do I do? Because she knows that I know, and I know that she knows I know, and uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah. Also, remember how I said that Claire was adopted? Well, her parents, her dad was Nathan. Uh-oh. Her mom is a woman named Meredith Walker, played by Jessalyn Gilsig. Okay. Who has the power of pyrokinesis. Which is another thing. The The connection between powers doesn't really seem to follow any kind of... Through line? Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, actually, because honestly, the powers had this like weird, almost mystical origin. Well, they didn't never got an explicit origin, but they had this whole mystical vibe to them where like they couldn't be completely explained by science. Yeah. Like a lot of people discovered their powers after an eclipse, and then when another eclipse happened, they temporarily lost their powers. If you had more power people together, then the, the resonance would cause the strongest person among them to become even stronger. Yeah. And they're, like, inherently drawn to each other, like queer people, before they realize they were queer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. I'm making the show very gay. <laughs> yes. They wanted, to, they wanted to put queer characters into it at the start, uh, but they didn't. Like, like well, they, they got revetoed by the network throughout yeah. the entire four-year run. And then I guess they just didn't bother in the sequel series, which is weird because they probably could have gotten away with it. Uh, yeah. But no, here we're gay right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, specifically, so when Mohinder first shows up, in New York, and he's studying stuff. He gets kind of like this neighbor-slash-study-buddy-slash-love-interest named Eden. And she is eventually revealed to be, first off, a powered person with a compelling voice, and also is Noah's partner. And then she takes herself out of the equation, well, she takes herself out, when she gets cornered by Siler because she knows that, like, he, like that if he got a hold of her ability, he would be incredibly dangerous. Yeah. So, what I'm gonna do is, first, I'm gonna establish early on that Mohinder is gay. Okay. Then I'm going to have her in, have him be uh, meet his neighbor Evan, <laughs> okay, who will fulfill the same role as Eden, and with the Siler situation because we we know about Siler for like the first half of the show, but Zachary Quinto I don't think was even cast until the mid season finale. Oh, okay. And so all we'd see is like this like person in a hoodie and a baseball cap from the back. Like all we could vaguely tell is that he was white or white passing, and he was a guy. Yeah. And. If we just disguise him a little bit more, we won't even know that he's white in our version. Yeah. 
and because of diversifying the cast. Yeah. If I am if I am turning DL into like having him fulfill the Nathan role, then I can also have him fulfill the Nathan role in the sense that he is Clara's birth father, which means that Clara is now black or at least mixed race. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd love to bring Jessalyn Gilsing back, but I don't think it would work if she was her mom again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, bring her. So another sorry, another major player. This this is a show defined by having a fuck ton of characters. <laughs> another major player was Angela Petrelli, who was Peter and Nathan's mom, and she was very much like a Lady Macbeth kind of character. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Just in case. I don't want to tempt the wrath of the thing from high atop the place. Oh yes, yes. The Scottish play and all that. <laughs> um, but she's very much that kind of character in manipulating people. And you know what? I think it would be cool if Jessalyn Gilsey came back to play Angela Petrelli. You know what? Yeah. And I think she could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I think in this show, it might actually make a little bit more sense if instead of the Angela Petrelli character... Hang on, no. Well, I'm trying to remember my notes, which I only have in my brain and not on paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, Angela Petrelli is still going to be Peter's mom, actually. Yeah. Never mind. But yes, so DL is now going to be Claire's birth father instead of Nathan, because Nathan no longer exists. Yeah. Um, anyways, so Mohinder and Evan kind of get together, kind of investigating things. Eventually, it is going to be revealed that Evan is actually Siler. Okay. And so then, first off, we get the payoff of all the Hoei that Mohinder and Siler have. Yay! <laughs> they went on a road trip together. Yeah. <laughs> it was during one of those weeks where they were trying to make Siler a good guy because, oh, they 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 had uh, they had Regina, Regina Mills' disease on oh, the show. No. They, they wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. They wanted Siler to be the ultimate villain and the ultimate hero because yeah. Zachary Quinto is just so dreamy. I mean, he is, but also, like, that shouldn't be the reason why characters get a redemption arc. Yeah. No, we're, we're committing to Siler as a... He stole people's brains! Yeah! It's, it's hard to redeem yourself from that. Jeez! I don't care how many... I don't care how many waffles he feeds to Mr. Muggles, the Pomeranian that he somehow inherited from Claire's family oh. in one of the alternate futures. Okay. Hero can time travel, and that means there's a lot of alternate futures on the show, and it gets kind of exhausting, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the one problem with uh, time travel and, well, comic booky shit. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Mohinder will realize that Evan is Siler, and, like, get away from him. He'll get together with Matt. He'll also get together with Matt. Matt can be bi. In the show, he was married, and then he broke up with his wife because he found out that she was cheating on him. So, d bisexuals, here you go. Here you go, bisexuals. Yay! <sighs> A gift from me to you. <laughs> um, and they will get together, get together, and raise Molly together. Also, Molly will be, like, not shoved off to the side, and then brought back in the sequel series, and then killed immediately. Yeah. We'll give you a character development, Molly. You can be friends with Micah! You can be friends with Micah, and also, uh... <laughs> desperately scrolling through the characters page... Uh, and Micah and Monica and Molly, you're all friends together. M-Squad. M-Squad! That's what they nice. can call themselves. Um, oh yeah, Monica will also get a character arc because she was only on the show for one season. And then because that was the season that got writer-stricken. And so in the third season, they're just like, Monica's back in uh, New Orleans. Anyways, how are you today? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh yeah, so another, another thing was that Hero and Ando end up in America because I think, if I remember correctly, Hero accidentally teleports them to America. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to change this slightly in that they go to America like with their with Hero's dad on a business trip. Yeah. 
because uh, a hero, you can bring one friend, and please make it be Ando, because he has the brain cell in your two's friendship. Yeah. <laughs> and Ando was like, yes, we're going to go to Vegas, we're going to like get some babes, and Hero's like, no, I'm going to like follow my legacy and the, the honor of my heritage, and I'm going to discover the other heroes in America. And Ando's like, you are 24 years old, please stop reading comic books. Oh, wait, you can actually teleport and stop time. We can make even more money at Vegas now. <laughs> yes. Which is actually pretty much what happened. Yeah. And you know what? That is a legit reason to use your powers. Yeah. Um, oh, also, I am going to shorten the episode count of the first season. Uh, the, yeah. I looked at, I, when I found out the first season had a full, like, 24 episodes, mm-hmm. I was like, ha- I mean, I guess you did need it because you had so many goddamn characters, but also, like, that feels like it would go way too slowly. Yeah. And that, like, I remember them having a lot of big characters. So maybe, like, maybe we would need, maybe the, the events of the first season, the original, would pan out over two seasons of a reboot if, like, yeah. that's how things shook out. But honestly, I don't think we needed a full 24 episodes to get through all of this stuff because there was so much filler and red herrings and big characters. And, like, yeah. we, we want to, like, misdirect people a little bit. Yeah. But we don't want to make it the whole show. <laughs> yeah. We're not lost or once upon a time. Yeah, people people like Mytharchs if they know they have a payoff. Yes. And hey, at least Once Upon a Time had payoff for most of the Mytharchs. Were they good? Not necessarily, but you know, they went in with an intention. They had an idea of where they wanted to go. It was the pro- their problem was getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Whereas like you brought up Lost and I watched Billiam's the 3-hour feature length video on just the first season of Lost. Oh wow. Where he talked about how like they intentionally put in things that they didn't know where they were going to go, and they're like, we'll get back to this later if we can think of a fun idea for it. This show is Twilight Zone on an island! Twilight Zone was fucking episodic. Yeah. Rod Sterling would have taken so many editorial, just like, red pen, so much shit. Anyway. But yeah, so the first first season of Heroes Rebooted uh, is going to follow the first season pretty closely. Stretch it down to two seasons if we need to, but I think like if we actually get the characters to meet each other better, and like it can kind of be a coincidence, but not really, because if Hero is like not in full control of his powers, he can just like oh, if also if we can establish like they have this kind of intrinsic feeling of being drawn towards one another, like right from the hop, we could easily just have Hero and Ando kind of like teleporting back and forth across America and meeting people and like basically forcing them into the whole conspiracy situation, they're like, oh, okay, so I guess this is happening now. And, like, that's how people, like, slowly gets, like, drawn together and all that stuff, is because Hero is the one who's trying to connect them all, and the company are the ones who are trying to keep them separated because they don't want our our 14 main cast members have unionized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yeah, that's, like, the, basically just ad- adjust a few characters and put things on different tracks to have, you know storylines flow a little bit easier that is the main cusp of the first season the second season is or i guess the 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 second arc yeah after the exploding man arc i guess if the first season is siler and the the second season is how do you stop an exploding man the third season can be about that's where we can start getting weird that's where we can introduce some of the stuff that i liked on paper from heroes reborn like the character who is from a video game because of a different person's power or the character who the the guy who went out like vigilanteing without any powers, he did that because he took up the the role of El Vangador from his brother, who like is killed in action while actually having powers and being a vigilante. Okay. 
And so that would very much be a situation of, like, if he tries to embroil himself in the heroes, they're going to be like, but you're just a guy. And he's like, yeah, but I punch real good. And also, like, I'm not going to stop fighting for decent people just because I don't have powers. Which is a much better characterization than the original character, who, like, I think spends three episodes going, but should I be Elvangador? I don't know if I should be Elvangador. But should I be Elvangador? Should or get off the pot, buddy? Also was like, that... They were clearly trying to, like, draw parallels to real-life stuff, where it's, like, uh, equating a lot of the powered people with uh, undocumented immigrants in the eyes of both the law and white people militia groups. Oh, okay. And and so the fact that this is a, a Latino character who is debating whether he should take up a vigilante role to defend people who are either being deported or implied to be executed... Because they have powers, and the majority of the people in the neighborhood he would be defending are people of color. And it's just a real weird situation. Like, the, the white writers definitely could have thought through, like, why is this person not jumping on the ability to protect his neighborhood? So no, yeah. my, my version of El Vangador is jumping on the opportunity to protect his neighborhood, even if he does not have powers. Yeah. And, like, that, his whole thing might be that he's, he's good enough at it that it draws company agents to it, and then they find out he's just a guy. Yeah. Um, another thing that we can do is... So in season three, the first villain was Arthur Petrelli, who was Nathan and Peter's dad, who they thought he was dead, but he was just dying. Uh, yeah. But he had power stealing abilities, so he just like schlumped the healing abilities out of David Anders' character. Uh, I can't remember his real name, but he masqueraded as Takezo Kenze, a Japanese samurai, even though he's the whitest person, but he was only known by legends in the modern day, so that's how he was able to get away with it. Anyways, Arthur Petrelli eats a guy's healing powers and now he's fine again. And then he convinces Siler that he's secretly the long-lost Petrelli brother to turn him onto his side. And you know, the way the way they did it, it was clear that he was just being manipulated. But I'm going to have it be like, actually, no, Peter and Siler are brothers. Yeah. And that's kind of why they ha- their, their powers are kind of like related to each other in the sense that like, Peter can get powers by understanding people on an emotional level. Siler can get powers by understanding people on an anatomical level. Yeah. And like that's the thing is that like at that point it is driven by the strengths of the characters, yeah. And so it's just really at that point it's wherever the characters take you, and also like maybe playing more into the concept of them being heroes. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there would be arcs where they like are dealing with the company directly and like delving into the legacy of the company. Like the second season was supposed to be dealing all about that, but then it got cut short. And we see that like there are already like agents of the company who are the children of the founders of the company. Like, they've already been inducted to it. Okay. Um, and that's the season that would be, like, exploring the company and, like, the point, the, the control is the point. It's not, like, some nefarious... I mean, it is a nefarious scheme, but like yeah. I said before, they're not trying to, like, unseal the demons or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, they're trying to install people in positions of power to keep their own power safe. Yeah. And it's- their families, because, you know, if it's outside of my circle, it doesn't matter. It's like how power is handled in late-stage capitalism anyway. Exactly. And also be an interesting, an interesting examination of the, uh, the fact that even though there's a lot of... Um, how, how do I word this correctly? I know I don't want to say it, just not how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> all, of the found, all of the company's founders, except for like three people, are white people. Yeah. And it's, I think every single one of them has powers. Okay. Even though one of the things that's stressed among their agents is that we're like we're doing this to like keep like panic in the public from happening, and so it's always one of us, one of them. 
mm-hmm. which means like one normal person, one person with powers. Yeah. And if one of them dies, then you just get reassigned. And so an examination of the fact that like a group of people with powers is pushing it, and the only people who seem to like think this is a bad idea to be because like it, it could have been born from like good intentions, could have been born from this, we're just going to protect our own kind of a mirror to the carnival where like the, the company is like they're the sellouts yeah kind of in that they started this to protect their own but now it's like protect their own went from protecting people with powers to protecting our immediate families yeah and then if you could also use that to mirror the carnival because i again i like the mirror idea of the carnival it has huge brotherhood of evil mutants vibes but yeah. that's the thing is that it's kind of a cult especially because samuel is going out of his way to recruit people with powers to make his own powers stronger and so it, it would be an examination of how the white people, even if they come from other marginalized situations, whether they have mental illness or they are queer or they're disabled, all that stuff, like they're in the society we live in now, the whiteness kind of trumps all. Yeah. And it can almost blind you to issues that other people have that are more intersectional. I don't know if I word that right, but I feel like... <laughs> You get what the, I'm saying. The whiteness gives you a leg up, but yeah, like if you are disabled and and or say, you know, poor, it it gives you a trump card and it does blind you to a lot of problems. But that doesn't mean you're going to be treated as an equal by those who are able-bodied and rich and all that sort of stuff. Model minority. That's what I'm trying. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And you know, because it, it you, you wouldn't think it really applies to white people because they're white people, but it it does when it's like okay, but. So so often the white gays are like, here we're the normal ones. And yeah. people of color who also happen to be queer, they're the weird ones who are like, they're pushing boundaries too hard. You know, pull back, baby steps. Don't get too radical. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, what? Like, mm. and it's like, those people aren't realizing that, no, you're going to be the first ones thrown under the bus. Yeah. There's a lot of subtext that can be pulled out of like the, the, the biggest threat to people with powers in this situation is... A group of people with powers, and uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go a full on like, oh, but people of powers are a stand-in for like b- people of color or queer people. Da, 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 da. No, but it's just like the fact that almost all the company is white people is a reflection of that. And hey, I think we're allowed to have some characters stay outright. It's, it would be just like if it was a bunch of white gays trying to boss around a bunch of non-white gays. Yeah. That there's a needle that needs to be thread, but I think it would not be too hard to thread that needle with the subtext. Yeah. What else? There was other stuff I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, comic books. Yes. Heroes had them. <laughs> yeah. Specifically. And manga, so- too. They had manga? Well, because Hero was referencing, like, JoJo. Oh, no, but I'm talking about they made comic books for oh. Heroes. Okay. They were they were online comics. Cool. So Heroes had a huge... I, w- I almost want to say it kind of pioneered the idea of web-exclusive content, which never truly took off, but it, it really helped for Heroes to the point where more people were interested at some point... Season two. They were more interested in the <laughs> online comics and the webisodes than yeah. they were the actual show. Okay, yeah. And like the the creators quite often they're like, yeah, we're definitely going to bring some comics exclusive characters into the show at some point. And like what they did was like, there were you saw Siler kill two agents of the company, and then like next week's comic was like, oh, those two agents were actually these characters we've known and loved for like two years. They're dead now. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring in a, a group of characters like four, three, four, five characters from the comics. Yeah. Um, 
there was an arc in the comics about Ev's Dropper, who is basically a mole for the company that's trying to take them down. This yeah. is the kind of character that can show up in the Legacies arc where they're delving into the company's history. Eventually, it's revealed that the, the true identity of Ev's Dropper is a woman named, let me go find her name, Connie Logan. Okay. <laughs> she has the power to alter people's faces. Interesting. And so her, if she's the one of them, the one of us partner is her daughter, Penny, who yeah. is like described as like not a like well she she's drawn like generically not attractive mm. but it's like oh but my mom can change my face to make me look beautiful so hey there's a lot of stuff to unpack here yeah but i want to bring them into the show because like in the comic penny spies on claire for like one issue and then she's done mm -hmm. in the comic first off i'm gonna i'm gonna flip penny so that penny is a guy yeah and then i'm gonna have him be the love interest for one of claire's friends yeah uh who, I can't remember his name, but he was played by Thomas Decker. He was supposed to be gay, but then NBC vetoed the gayness. Also, Thomas Decker's agent vetoed the gayness because he didn't want Thomas to get typecast. Anyways, Thomas is gay in real life, so... Okay. Shut the fuck up, homophobes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, like, have have this character be in there as a mole, and it can be, like, be revealed later. Like, maybe initially Claire thinks that his power is shape-shifting, but it turns out, no, it's his mom's power is that I change your face. And then the big thing going on with Connie Logan is that she was married to Julian Dumont, who had the ability to duplicate himself. Yeah. And she thought he died, but then it turned out he was just kept in a coma by the company, and they're basically just, like, hitting his nerves to generate new clones so that they basically had a clone army. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't- she's not fond of the company once she finds that out. Yeah. And then the other major character, like, through this whole arc was Donna Dunlap who had, like, adaptive vision, so telescopic, uh, the th thermal, night, all that stuff. Um, I don't think x-ray, but all the other stuff. Anyway, she ends up uh, falling in love with her partner, Eric Thompson, and so they would basically, yeah, here, here's two agents that become, like, not quite moles, but, like, definitely catching on to the more concerning sides of the company, and they, they could easily be introduced through Noah Bennett yeah. as just, like, here's, yeah, here's the situation. Okay. But yeah, I would be explicitly bringing in some of the comic book characters. Like, almost, I want to bring them in more so than I do want the later characters from the TV show because the comic characters are more interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's heroes. Sounds like you could get a good five, six seasons out of that. Oh, easily, because it's just it. If we make not self-contained, but if we like wrap up stuff and then like leave a hint of like here's where it could go in the future. Yeah, like not. Because whenever I think of developing, developing a TV show, I always want to think of, like, I want to give a satisfying ending in the event that we suddenly get cancelled out of the blue. Yeah. But also, like, leave, leave things open so that, like, hopefully we get renewed, we can pursue this track. So it would be like, okay, well, here, first, first season is Siler, second season is the, the Bomb, third season is The Company, fourth season is The Carnival, yeah. uh, fifth season is... I don't know what the fifth season would be. Actually, honestly, actually, I feel like the company would take two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> this is assuming we do like 13 episode seasons, but I, yeah. I do feel like that would help the story a lot. Yeah. And yeah, not get too distracted by stuff. Yeah. It, it does help that like after the first season, a lot of the characters could become like, they could take a backseat to the other characters. Yeah. Like we would still keep a very large cast and like a more diverse cast, like even diverse, more diverse than it was at the start. Yeah see me like explicitly trying to like put the the black characters in a better spotlight than they were in the original yeah but like in the song of ice and fire books like 
George R. R. Martin is able to like shift focus. So like some of the characters like they don't even appear in a book. So you can like focus on like one area. And actually, honestly, with the character of Isaac Mendez, he I can't even remember his major thing other than his ex was dating Peter in the first season. Yeah. But both of them die in the first season. Yeah. And honestly, I think it might be more interesting if Isaac is dead at the beginning. And so everyone's trying to get after his like art because, oh, dead artists sell better. But then yeah. the company is specifically trying to go after it because these are telling the future. The, yeah. Like, here, here's a picture of, like, here's a picture of a person running for Congress being sworn in as president. And some people are like, this is weird fan art. And the, the, the only Noah Bennett is like, this is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think, I guess the only thing left to talk about is the symbols. Okay. There, there were two major arc symbols going through the eclipse and the helix, which okay. was, it was like half, uh, it was an RNA strand, so half a DNA strand. But it was like drawn in such a way that you could also say it stylistically resembles a pair of kanji that represent uh, godsend and great power. Or, okay. So it literally translates into God's, God sends you great power. Okay. And so, like that just, again, we never have to explain it, but just ensure that they continue popping up and stuff so yeah. that... Just kind of reinforce that, like, th- there's some scientific stuff going on here, but it's a lot more like m- mystical and esoteric. We were, we will never w- one rule. We're never going to give a hard answer of where the powers come from, and we're not even going to like vaguely imply. It's just gonna be like people have powers now. It's happening. We we got to deal with it. Yeah. And then if someone asks us at Comic Con, like, where do the powers come from? And we'd be like, where do the powers come from? <laughs> and then we leave. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you gotta figure shit out on yourself, on your own. Sometimes things are better left unanswered. Yes. <laughs> Again, go- going back to Lost, I do respect them saying, we did not want to explain this whole thing. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So Sometimes the mystery is the point. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the reason J.J. Abrams also has a mystery box is because he, like, it's a, he has an actual real-life mystery box. He, he bought it for $15 at a magic shop, and he's never opened it in his life, because anything could be inside it. It's Schrodinger's box. Okay, JJ. But I, I get what he's getting at. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now, am I going to bring JJ Abrams in on this? No, because no. JJ Abrams <laughs> does not know how to end things. Yeah! He does not know how to plan. Yeah, uh, look at Star Wars. Uh-huh. Come on, JJ. Like you should have known better by now. Yeah, you got to communicate this stuff. You're not gonna. At least George Lucas had. Okay, he didn't actually really have that much of an idea of where he was going. Like he had to seriously retcon the whole Luke Leia relationship. Yeah, but you know, it's he had he he did have a general idea. Like that's character work. That's stuff that played out later. Yeah. It's it's not like J.J. Abrams who was like, well, I guess I should have had an idea for what the other movies would entail. Yeah, I guess to George Lucas's credit, he knew where he wanted to go and how things were going to end. And honestly, actually, what, what really damns J.J. Abrams in the Star Wars sequels is more the fact that, like, in the context of Disney, we have Marvel, who, like, they plan ten years ahead. Yes! And I think, actually, I think even Kevin Feige has said, we leave wiggle room in case characters are more popular than they, we expected them to be, and we can slide in a spinoff for them. Yeah. And you compare that to Star Wars, which is almost like, 
the writers of the movies didn't know what they would be dealing with until they saw it's like the the way it's it sounds like J.J. Abrams didn't know what kind of movie Ryan Johnson was making until he saw it in theaters. It's like nobody was talking to each other. No one at Lucasfilm knew anything about what was happening about The Last Jedi until they saw it in theaters, and they're like, well, damn. And that's like, that's why I was eating, there was so much egg on my face. Looked yeah. like a fucking Sean Cody video. Because I kept on saying, no, it's gonna make sense, because they have a plan. Obviously they have a plan. Why wouldn't they have a plan? Well, you know what? <laughs> There's no plan. The yeah. point is... <laughs> we need a plan. <laughs> and we may not have one right now, but that's only because we want to see what the characters speak to us. We will have a plan... Yeah. When we start shooting. Yes. <laughs> and if the, if the network or wherever we're being aired on says we're giving you seven extra episodes of the season, we're going to say no. Yes. Because <laughs> maybe, maybe that's their problem. Maybe J.J. Abrams had a plan and then the WB said no. We're giving you an extra seven episodes in the last season of Felicity. And J.J. Abrams panicked and the only way he could think to solve this problem was to have a time travel arc. Yeah. <laughs> so in conclusion... <laughs> We're not hiring J.J. Abrams. Yes. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> Please stay away from my show. He is an abject lesson in how not to write for a series. Yeah. Tim Kring, you can also stay away from our show. I'm sure you also seem like a pleasant person. But God, every person's every person who put their name to a response to Leonard Roberts' essay basically said, Damn, we're so sorry you felt that way. Yeah. Which is like, hey. I'm sure it comes from a place of, you know, kindness, but think, I'm begging, I'm begging you to think before you say shit. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. If you save the friendship promo, you save the world. When Kilner accepted the job of smuggling escaped heiress Samantha Trapp across the galaxy, she expected the job to be over and done with quickly. But now, they're stuck with each other, and they have a job to do. Think of Automnicon as a sort of student loan company. You take a loan from them, and then they own you until you've paid it off, with interest. So all I have to do is pay off my debt? Fine, I can do that! How much do I owe? 900,027 credits. And counting. You're stuck here, with me, to work it off. We Fix Space Junk is a sci-fi sitcom from Battlebird Productions, featuring traveling by cryo. Don't worry if you feel like you're drowning. That's perfectly normal. Wait, what? Aliens from across the galaxy. Greetings, visitors. Is that popcorn? Hello, Your Excellency. AIs. Dad, how do I do air? You're already doing it automatically. Calm down. And, of course, thrilling and exciting missions in outer space. Hello, valued employees. Here are the details for your next exciting mission. You will be repairing a device redacted in or at the location redacted. We Fix Space Junk is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I don't know why it's like a completely ground the episode to a halt, but I... So much of this episode, I feel like it was just me saying, oh, by the way, there's also this character. <laughs> it's a big cast. <laughs> How do I hold all of these characters? Anyways. Anyways. Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tana, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first and they're pronounced YADA! You can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com and you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite uh, way of sneaking in a JoJo reference. That's also where you can send us a friendship promo via an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your webcomic. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or other on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Click, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you want music of his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands, the Cree, and Soto, Assiniboine, and Métis. So, Lindsay. <laughs> so, Tanner. Do you have a hint for next week? Uh, next week, we shall be doing a comic book storyline right. Yay! We're just keeping this through line. We went Jesslyn Gilsig to Jesslyn Gilsig. Now we go superheroes to... Well, is it superheroes? Or is it... Yeah, it's superheroes. Okay. We're going back to Marvel. Oh, we're going back to Marvel. We don't don't talk about Marvel often enough. (laughs) I know, I know. It's just, you inspired me with today's episode, and it's been something that's been on my mind for a while, so. Comic book reboots with a vengeance. Yes. That's what you come here for. We're gonna blow up a planet. (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I I guess we'll deal with that earth-shattering kaboom next week, um, but not if we reboot you first. Bye!